I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Demore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 21, how do I hit the reset button for 2021? It's the new year! <laughs> Happy New Year, Rena. I could not be more excited to see a new year! I know, right? Have we ever been more thrilled to turn the calendar over? Never. 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 In the history of creation, I, I think. know. I know. What a year this a year. was last year. My but goodness. It's like, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm no. so excited about <laughs> vaccines. I'm so excited. I'm going to probably take a vacation at some point this year, later, later in the year. Uh, I cannot wait. Um, I think everyone just wants a fresh start. Fresh start. Begin again. Renew. Start yeah. over. And apparently our listeners do too. We got this letter and it says, Dear Lisa, I want to get into the right mindset for the new year. I want to shake off all the negativity, both for myself and for my kids from last year. But it's just so hard. I try to stay positive. How do I get to a better state mentally when I know the start of this year won't be easy? I can't pretend anymore. Any advice for hitting the reset button? What should I make a priority for good mental health? I love this question. It's a great one. It's a perfect one to get us going into the year. So what do you think matters? As It's like fresh slate. Let's pretend fresh slate, starting over new. How do you do this to hit the reset button? So there is a whole area of my field called positive psychology. And there is so much we can draw from that at this particular moment. So one of the things that happened in the history of psychology is that the first 100 years, like basically from the second half of the 19th century through the first half of the 20th century, 
we were entirely preoccupied with what we now call like the deficit model or the illness model. Like what's wrong with people and how do Mm. we fix it? Mm -hmm. And then mid 20th century, people are like, what if we're like looking at what's right with people? What if we stop asking, why are you ill? And instead ask people, why are you thriving? Like what helps you thrive? And, you know, it seems so obvious in retrospect that that's a really worthy question, but it was pretty radical at the time. And so that actually, I think, is a great pivot to make as we move into 2021, right, to move away from this idea of like, okay, how do we survive? How do we survive? Into this idea of how do we thrive even while we wait for more life to come back to us, Mm -hmm. more familiar joys to come back to us? What can we do to thrive in the meantime? I love that. More familiar joys. Because how do you really stay positive, Lisa, when you know the reality, as his mother saying, you know, the end of the pandemic is still far away? Okay, this is such cool stuff. Like, I love this stuff. So one of the real aha moments in the world of positive psychology was to start to appreciate that negative and positive experiences and negative and positive moods don't belong on the same continuum. So what I mean is, we started out in the field thinking, oh, if people are low and down, you have to remove the problem or fix the problem, and then they will get a boost. Like, they'll move from negative to positive. And what we came to appreciate is, no, these operate independently. That negative experiences and positive experiences can actually coexist side by side, and they do all the time, and they both influence mood simultaneously. Okay, so I, I need the negative stuff. Like, I, I, I need more positive. Like, how exactly. do I get to the positive side? Exactly. So if we really lean into this way of thinking, we stop saying, I can't feel better. I can't feel happy until the pandemic's over. Right? That's really taking that view of, like, until you remove the negative, I'm not going to feel better. Mm-hmm. And we start thinking, okay, the negative is right there. It's still right there. And my goodness, it may still be right there for several more months. But that doesn't mean we can't find ways to have a good time and enjoy ourselves. And and I'll give you an example of how we talk about this in taking care of, of our patients and our clients, that for a long time, the treatment of depression was, okay, we got to get you out of your depression, and we're going to use therapy, we can use meds, we've got all these options. And the innovation in this, and it's like such a weird name, like we, we sometimes we come up with like really like not useful names for things. This is like, we call it pleasure scheduling. Which what? The I know, what? I know. Like I can't even tell teenagers like we need to do some pleasure scheduling. Of course, you can imagine, like you can imagine the very looks on their dirty, faces. Lisa. Very dirty, very dirty. <laughs> and so, um, but that's what we call it. And I actually had this conversation with a teenager. I'm like, okay, this is the term we use. It's super weird. And then I was like, can we call it like joy planning? She's like, no, that's weird too. You know, so I don't know what to call it. <laughs> but the idea is, and this is part of how we take care of people who are suffering from depression, to get them to stop thinking, I can't do anything fun till I feel better. And to mm. get them to start thinking, I'm going to put stuff on my calendar that could be fun or that I can enjoy or I can look forward to. And what we find is it helps to lift their mood. So literally what you're saying to me is I need to make time 
is it like once a week, every day, like saying, this is a block of 30 minutes. It's my pleasure scheduling time. And I'm <laughs> going to do something. I quite like this pleasure <laughs> scheduling. I'm going to have to tell my husband, I'm going to be alone in my room. Pleasure yeah. scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll be like, okay, this is super I'll weird. I'll be really reading a book and being alone, but yeah. there you go. So, so you have to make time for something yes. that you really enjoy doing is what you're saying. You have to do it. And and there's also, I mean, so yes, you can do it once a day, you can do it once a week, you know, and I think it'll be different scale things. So once a day, honestly, for me right now, Rena, it's um, my after dinner decaf coffee with really nice chocolate. Like, Ooh. I love that. And I make a really? whole thing of it. And I sit yeah. there. That is my daily. I can't even call it pleasure scheduling right now. Like, I've got to come up with something <laughs> else. But that's my daily. And then... Um, so you do it every day, Lisa? Like you I do have a little one every day. And, and like how many minutes is it do you usually... I don't know, 10 minutes. I mean, it's nothing huge. But, but even then, 10 minutes is enough? Well, yeah, because I look forward to it all day. And let's come mm. back to that. But then like here's a big one. Um, I live in Cleveland, as you know, and we have the Cleveland Institute of Art. And their faculty exhibition is on right now. And you can make an appointment to go see it. It's free. I'm going to do it at the end of this week. It goes through January 29th for all the locals. And... I am so looking forward to it, Rena. I'm going to put on real pants, and I'm going to drive in my car all by myself. I'm yeah. going alone. I'm so happy. And, you know, someone meets me there, and I go in, and it's, you know, very contained, very safe. And and this is the part I want to get back to. I am looking forward to it. And so another cool piece of research that informs all of this is research on vacations mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. what we find, and people study vacations. The joy, I can't even use the word pleasure, the joy in the vacation is relatively short-lived. What you get out of it, in addition to the fun you had on the vacation, is looking forward to it, Mm. and then also thinking back on it. That getting to have the memories is huge. And one thing I'm really conscious of as I'm looking forward to my little visit to look at this exhibition is I also need more mental variety one of the challenges I'm finding is it's easy to feel bored right now. Yeah. But what do you do? Like, how do you, like, there's not very many options, right, for people? Well, so in terms of, like, putting stuff on your calendar that's fun, that's what I'm going to call it, what I would say to people is crowdsource this in your community. You know, hop online, whatever social media your community uses, and ask people what fun things are you coming up with in the community, People are finding things, you know, little places to go for safe wine tastings or, you know, things like that. And and find out what people are up to. And there's also stuff, I think, at the national level. I heard about someone who's doing a fundraiser that involves um, logging running miles. And it's turned into a little neighborhood competition. And so those kinds of things, that creativity has to come back to us so that we have things that we're, you know, looking forward to on our calendars and that we're doing and that bring variety but the, the real take-home here, Rena, is this will improve mood side-by-side side with negative events continuing. This does not cancel out the negative events. This does not um, mean we're ignoring the negative events. Mm-hmm. It means we are remembering that the presence of negative doesn't have to mean the absence of positive. Oh, that is powerful. Just because you have negative doesn't mean you can't also have positive. I love that. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. 
Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So let me tell you something. Like I have been following JLo's Instagram feed. She has a new beauty line out mm-hmm. and she keeps saying something she always believes in sort of saying this. I don't remember the exact words, but it's she wakes up in the morning and says, I am timeless. I am youthful. I am powerful. So it's something along those lines. And it reminded me when I covered the funeral of Muhammad Ali Everyone kept talking about how he kept saying, I'm the greatest, I'm the great." And I, I remember growing up hearing that, like, oh, here he goes again. Here that guy goes again. But I realized at his funeral, all these people were talking about how that really helped him in, in his matches, in the ring, outside the ring, when he faced obstacles. Does manifestation really work? Is there research on... Why are you laughing? Is there research on manifestation? No, there's no research on manifestation. (laughs) Because psychologists are snobs. No, because psychologists are snobs. That's why. (laughs) Or certainly academic psychologists are snobs. So no, I know know manifesting is increasingly being widely discussed. And so here's, here's the reality. 
the academic psychologist in me is like looking down my nose like, oh my goodness, right? Like we don't study things like manifesting. Okay, the rest of me is like, oh, um, hello, academic psychologist. We totally believe in manifesting in psychology. We just call it something else. <laughs> we have our own terminology for it. So what we call it is something like self-talk. Mm. And we're interested in self-talk. And basically, it's like our running narratives about who we are and what our lives are like. And they're really powerful. So yeah, totally powerful. But this is like this like really well-worn path in academic psychology, which is if we didn't make it up, we have no respect for it. And, and this totally happened with um, the mind-body connection. You know, sort of in the 60s yes. and 70s, there was all of this emerging stuff, you know, certainly from around the world and then coming out of California. And I, I'm not proud of this as an academic psychologist, but for decades we were like, no, 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 that's not, you know, that's not science, right? And then, of course, it all turns out to be true. And it all turns out to be really well established by research. So, and so, so there, what do you mean yeah. by like mind-body connection and these manifestations? Like what does the research say? D okay. Does it work? So mind-body connection, which is different from manifestation. I took us a little long around the bend. But oh. mind-body connection is basically that what's going on for us physically powerfully drives our mental state. So, I mean, it seems so, it's so accepted and so obvious now. But, you know, things like getting a good night's sleep. And I think now all of the work around gut health has become really powerful and interesting. Um, so, you know, that idea that, you know, you can't feel well mentally if you don't feel well physically. And then, you know, I mean, just really cultivating and nourishing that. Okay. But manifestation, which we call self-talk, <laughs> is basically thinking about the, the kind of um, the running internal monologues we have about our lives and how things are going. Like what you say to yourself, what you believe. Yeah. And, and again, usually when we look at the trajectory of how we come to understand these things in psychology, we typically start in what we call pathology, like where it's not working. And then we kind of get more interested in where it is working. So in pathology, in depression and anxiety, people's running internal monologues tend to be pretty um, negative, right? Like, oh, see, I always mess things up, or mm, oh, see, yes. I can't handle anything, or oh, yes. see, nothing ever goes my way. So it's interesting because it's almost like negative manifesting, you know, sort of deciding it's going to be like this, and I'm just going to name it. And what you're describing is positive self-talk or positive manifesting, which is deciding, having an internal monologue. So if we go to Muhammad Ali, of like, I'm the greatest, right? Which is obviously quite arrogant. He happened to be able to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not everyone can. Yeah. But what where positive self-talk really helps is, first of all, if it's accurate. So it does have to be accurate. So for Ali in his, you know, in what he did, it did in fact turn out to be accurate. It's not going to help someone who still has a lot of room to grow in their skills to be like, I'm the greatest, right? So you can't, it has to be in line with reality. But what's cool, and this is where, you know, JLo's approach and Muhammad Ali's approach is the self-talk, how we speak to ourselves is step one in a really powerful chain of events. So when Muhammad Ali says, I'm the greatest, and he boosts his confidence like that, or JLo, what, what's hers? What did she say? Uh, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but something about I am timeless, I am youthful, I'm powerful, something okay. along those lines. I don't remember her exact words, but essentially manifesting what she believes in herself, right? Okay. So like a personal pep talk, right? So they start the day with that. 
And then what it does is it sets them on a course of behavior and activity. So when, let's imagine <laughs> JLo's having a hard day and something's getting in her way, and then she reminds herself, oh, I'm powerful. And she summons internal energy to manage that problem because she's reminded herself that she's powerful. So now she's managed the problem, which actually reinforces her sense of herself as someone who's powerful, mm-hmm. and her day's going better. Mm-hmm. And it really starts to throw itself into high relief if we consider the opposite, which is like, so what if she woke up every morning or a depressed person woke up every morning saying, like, I'm powerless, I can't make anything happen. Mm-hmm. Then the day starts to go badly and they're like, see, there it is. I can't make anything happen, right? Everything's out of my yeah. control. And so it's not – the words are important, but they're, they really get their force from – the chain of events that gets sets in motion in terms of, you know, when we talk about a pep talk, the goal of a pep talk is to then get you to do something and to get you to change your behavior. And one thing I will say, and I should be, I may be more embarrassed about this. I have noticed in the pandemic especially, but I kind of do it all the time. I will cheer myself on at points in the day. <laughs> like I will really? say out like loud. What? what do you say to yourself? I will say out loud like, okay, you're doing it. You're doing it. You got it. You got oh, really? it. Really? Yeah, or like sometimes if I'm feeling a little frantic, I'll say out loud, okay, slow down, slow down, you got this, you got this. And and I know I do it literally out loud. Really? Yeah, and it's it's become something I just kind of, I'm just going with it because it does seem to help in the moment. But it's that idea of saying the words that set the behavior down a particular path. But what do you mean? Like in, You're giving yourself a pep talk and I'm saying, oh my God, the dishes aren't done. Oh my gosh, they have no PJs to wear tonight. I haven't done laundry. And then I suddenly feel so overwhelmed because there are all these things that I need to do that I'm looking around and, and I'm just drowning. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that you have to be, you know, like saccharine, cloyingly, like super, you know, like, oh, yay, dishes. I mean, you don't have to be that way about it. But the the framing we use in psychology or the the language we use is this idea of schema. It's, you know, we always always have to come up with a new word in our own vocabulary to just describe basic things like beliefs about the self or beliefs about the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we use schema to say that. And so what matters, Rena, is the schema that you have built out around the laundry and the dishes. And You can, you know, we all get the vent. But then is your schema, okay, there's a lot of laundry, there's a lot of dishes, I know how to mobilize my team to help me manage this, or there's a lot of laundry, there's a lot of dishes, oh man, see, I always get left holding the bag. I'm always the one who Mm -hmm. has to do this stuff. Yeah. And that's where you just see, you know, the paths divide. And it goes in two very different directions. And so what's really awesome. Like the mind is awesome. And what's awesome as we think about starting 2021 is to remember that how we think about things can shape our experience. We are not at the mercy of events. They can be bad, but we can think about them in one way or another. That's powerful. That's really powerful that in our head we can sort of shape our trajectory just by the, the positive things that we think. But, you know, obviously there's it's it's not easy in this moment. What do you find really works, you know, when you're trying to get that uplift? If you can't think of something fun to do, you know, what else can you do? For me personally, it's people. 
When I get grumpy, and I've certainly has, you know, my 2020 was for me a very grumpy year compared yeah. to most years, and I know I'm not alone in that. When I get grumpy, it's actually talking to someone I like, you know, talking to someone who's a friend or someone who I love. So I've been on a lot more like hopping on the phone, just calling people and checking in. One thing that can feel really corny but is worth considering is to appreciate that what gives everybody a boost is also very individual, very specific to, you know, some people might be like, no, I'm not calling anybody. That's the last thing I would do. I would like go grab a magazine and go get in bed. When we're feeling good, it's not an altogether bad idea to make a list, you know, and just Mm. like keep it in your phone. Yeah. You know, what are your bumps? Like what gives you a little extra, you know, kind of lift in your mood? Sometimes for me, I'll like have an extra cup of coffee. And yeah, actually, Rena, yeah. coffee and mood are very closely connected. Really? And what we, oh yeah, totally. Like, I mean, I know there's limits on how much coffee you're supposed to have, but what we see is that in people who drink lots of coffee, their mood tends to be pretty high. And wow. so I, I will sometimes be like, I don't know, should I do it? Should I do it? Because I can then yeah. push into like almost manically frantic in my activity. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, it's a huge mood boost. So I would actually say that everyone might reflect for a minute, like, what are your mood boosts? And it's, and sometimes it can be small things like lighting a scented candle, you know, that those just can put us in a different place in our in our minds. And like, make a little list on your phone of like quick mood boosts or longer mood boosts. And Sometimes it really is fun to get in bed in the middle of the day with a book, (laughs) you know, under the covers. Completely. Totally fun. So there are still things we can do. Um, Looking at pretty things, right? I mean, there's, it's sometimes beautiful to just go look at websites of images. Like, and, and the reason that it might be worth it to make that little list when you're feeling good is often by the time you're grumpy, it's hard to think of those things. Ah, uh, so you've got to go to like I love matcha lattes. There so, you go. Like having that to look forward to. I don't realize I didn't realize until you mentioned it today that having that is sort of what motivates me throughout the day <laughs> to get pushed through. But having that little something can really help. Yep, and and it's and you can do it in a pandemic, I and love it. and and we can keep going. And so, you know, that's another thing that you know might be worth crowdsourcing. Like, what are people doing that gives them a bump? Like, what what makes them happy? And, and we're getting more creative out of sheer necessity at this point. Yeah. But what about sadness, really quickly? Like you say they both live together, right? Do you have to also acknowledge that? Yeah, like we're sad, too. We're sad, too. And so, so one way to approach this is to remember that feeling sad about some things and feeling happy about other things can live their neighbors. They don't have to, you know, you don't have to choose one. They can live side by side. The other is to remember that the way painful emotions work is that if we let ourselves have them, we tend to work our way through them. And so as we continue to suffer losses in 2021, I think we have to really prepare ourselves for that. Like as excited as people are about 2021, there's still stuff. I mean, kids' graduations may go out the window, you know, fun spring concerts or something the parents were looking forward to, like those things may go out the window. Make space for that sadness mm-hmm. for yourself, for your kid. Don't try to um, talk yourself out of it. Don't try to talk your kid out of it. Don't treat it like pity. Don't, you know, like self-pitying behavior. Treat it as the right right feeling at the right time. Set aside time to be sad or allow yourself to be sad. Don't fight the sadness is, I guess, what I would say. You can't, like, mm-hmm. do it on a clock, I guess. Mm-hmm. And accept empathy for it. Give empathy for other people's sadness. 
And really think about it almost like a tunnel that you move through. Like, oh, I just entered the sadness tunnel. Here I am. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Or here I am. I'm helping my kid feel it. And the feeling it is actually the work of progressing through the tunnel. And, and I think that image is very different from the one that prevails about painful emotions, where we think like, oh, you're going to get stuck in a pit of despair and someone's got to pull you out. No, no, no. You feel the feeling and presuming otherwise psychological health, right, the absence of depression or something like that, feeling the feeling is actually something that just sort of chugs you along through that tunnel. And having felt it, you come out the other side. Your kid comes out the other side. So be sad. Let your kids be sad. Don't fight it work your way through it, and then also schedule something fun to do later. I love it. And I love the manifestations because we just celebrated your big 50th birthday in November. <laughs> and I'm realizing you and JLo have something in common, amazing skin, and in the pandemic, turning the clocks back. And both of you are manifesting. Well, there we are. But don't tell any of my colleagues in academic psychology that I'm manifesting. <laughs> I am self-talking. Rena. I'm self-talking. <laughs> self-talking. Self-talking it is. Well, I'm going to keep telling myself 2021 is going to be the best year yet. 2021 is going to be the best okay. year yet. Well, there you go. Self-talk all day long, Rena. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. All right, what do you have for four children everywhere? So we've got the Brain and Behavior Foundation, which is an organization that's committed to mental illness, and it's awarding grants to scientists to help their research. 100% of every dollar goes to their research. So check it out, bbrfoundation.org. That's perfect for today. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's great to support scientists. So tell me, what do you have for the start of the new year for parenting to go? Okay, so keeping with this theme that the presence of the negative doesn't have to mean the absence of the positive, what I want everyone to watch out for in themselves and their kids is what psychologists call all-or-nothing thinking. So we will continue to accrue losses in 2021. And when your kids' spring concert gets canceled and they're like, oh, man, I've been working so hard for that for so long and I can't have it and nothing is good. Give them room to be sad and then help them come up with something that's second best or good enough. And I think we really have to be open to that idea that just because we can't have it just the way we had in mind doesn't mean we can't do something. And it may not be great, but it could be good enough. And that's what we want to go for as we start to move, hopefully, hopefully, back into life as we remember it, that for a while we're going to have to ride on good enough until we can get back to great. That is a great way to start the new year. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks so much, Lisa. And for more information on some of the things we talked about in the podcast, be sure to check out our show notes and also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ask Lisa Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.